Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Come on, somebody. I want you to give Jesus a big praise in the room right now. Give him praise. Yes. Praise God. God is good. And all the time, and for those of you in the room, can you welcome the hundreds that are with us online? We welcome you at home, wherever you might be. Thank you for joining us as well. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. When I get excited, I talk like this. Wow. Look at all you beautiful faces, all smiling, all full of coffee. Look at you. Came ready to Praise the Lord. I want to just testify that God is good at Thrive Church. God has been so good at Thrive Church. I was, I was c- contemplating we're here at the end of the summer. Most of our kids have gone back to school. Can a parent say amen? Yeah. Get out of here, go to school, learn something. That's, that, when they go back to school, it kind of shows the summer's ending, and it's been a powerful summer at Thrive. Thank you for giving. Thank you for volunteering. Thank you for uh, praying for the ministry of Thrive. Just this summer, we gave away over a 1,000 backpacks full of school supplies to children in the area. Come on. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's a spiritual thing. Loving people in, in, a, in a felt need way in the name of Jesus, we did that. We did that. We had a, a, an amazing youth summer program with students here two days a week getting discipled and going in prayer. Dozens of kids uh, here driving all of us crazy. Just kidding. They were actually pretty well behaved. Um, just loving Lord and growing. We had vacation Bible school. We had a bunch of kids graduate from our youth basics program. Um, we recognized six new ministers of the gospel here at Thrive Church. We did that here. We baptized 22 new believers this summer in water. Come on, praise them, 22. 22, just this summer, we've added, since the January, 34 new partners. Those are our church members. But 10 this summer, 10 new Thrivers, and there's like 30 that are almost ready to join us here. They got a class to finish, maybe some paperwork. And even though we're kind of recovering from COVID, our average Sunday attendance here in person alone is more than 500 people here 500 people here on Sundays, and more than that online. Can you give them praise in the house? Yes, we are touching more than 1,000 people a week in this post-COVID world. Well, I mean, just on Sundays, more than 1,000 people a week, and we give God all the glory for that. Someone say, the best is ahead. Absolutely. Turn to your neighbor and say the best is ahead for you. I believe that with all my heart. One of my favorite scriptures is your, your latter days will be better than your former. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Your latter days will be better than your former. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word? 
I want to acknowledge all of our great teaching pastors here at Thrive. They do a great job here every week. It's been a very busy summer for my wife and I and our family, which has drawn us away from home to be with our adult children. Man, I'm old. That's the first time I've ever used that phrase. (laughs) My adult children. So we've been gone a lot. Um, But... uh, we just acknowledge all of our teaching pastors. And can, we get, can we thank Pastor Jason in particular for last Sunday's message? Just a great job. Just a great, great job. We are blessed here at Thrive. We're going to continue in our sermon series uh, and go to Joshua chapter 15. Joshua chapter 15. We're going to read verses 13 to 19. And we stand for the reading of the word here at Thrive. Just a public demonstration of the preeminence of not a man or a woman, but of the word of God. That's why we stand for the reading of the word. Thank you for standing with us. Joshua 15, verses 13 through 19. The word of the Lord reads, in accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, a portion in Judah. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the forefather of Anak. From Hebron, Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Shishai, Ahimon, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. From there, he marched against the people living in Debir, formerly called Kiriath-Sephir. And Caleb said, I will give to my daughter Aksah in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath-Zephyr. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter to Aksah in him, to him in marriage. One day when she came to Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? She replied, do me a special favor. Since you have given me land in the Negev, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to be the teacher this morning. I thank you for this precious Thrive family, both here in this room and those online gathered with families and friends. And we pray that you would be our teacher today. Have your way in us and be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. The title of the message is No Water, No Life. No water, no life. Say that with me. No water, no life. And the goal of my message today, if you can just grasp onto this, is, and it's going to sound so basic, but it's so challenging in practice. This is the goal, is to convince you of the necessity of your relationship with God watering every part of your life that your relationship with Jesus Christ impacts, affects, develops every part of your life. Every part. Someone say every part. Your thought life, your financial life, your marriage, your friendships, your physical life. Every part of us devoted to the Lord. See, here is the daughter of the great Caleb who was gifted her and her new husband land, but she realized there was a problem. Is that 
She had a nice piece of land. The term Negev actually means like the south or the southern part. And in that area, that area was known to be very dry, very arid. And so she comes to her dad and she says, you gave me a wonderful gift, but it's missing something pretty important. It's missing some water. Now, how many have ever been so thirsty you thought you were going to die? I mean, we're kind of emotional here in America, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. I, I remember one day I was about, I was about 12, and I decided I was going to get in shape. And I was, I was running. This is in Southern California where the air is pretty bad. It's a hot summer day, humid day, and the air was dirty. And I remember running, and I was kind of out of shape. And uh, hadn't been doing much. And so I'd go out running and the air, you know, the, when you breathe dirty air a lot, it hurts your chest. I remember my chest started hurting and I'm tired and I'm hot and I'm thirsty. And I come into the house and, uh, and how many know what it's like to live on a limited budget? Any witnesses up in here? Okay. Remember when Taco Bell was special? Babe, it's payday. Taco Bell? Chalupas? We had a limited budget. And I remember coming in. Now, a 12-year-old does not typically think about drinking water when they're thirsty. And I looked in there in the fridge, opened the fridge, and there's some soda. I know I can't drink that because that's not good for me. So I'm going to drink some orange juice. I was 12. The only thing is that we couldn't afford real orange juice. We had Tampico. How do you remember Tampico? Can I get a witness over here, Tampico? You survived, you survived Tampico by the grace of God. It's fake orange juice. I don't even know what's in it. Do they still sell it? Okay. And I remember getting a big glass. It looks like orange juice. And I started drinking that. And there's something about Tampico that's like Spider-Man's web. And it started to collect in my throat. And I'm like, glug, 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 delicious. <laughs> All of a sudden, it starts to like just kind of collect in my throat. How many know what I'm talking about? Do you ever drink it that fast? I'm like, and so I go, I'm desperate. I better drink some water. Water? There's nothing like water. There's nothing that satisfies you like water does. I mean, I love a cold Diet Pepsi, but nothing quenches your thirst like water. Someone say, no water, no life. The first thing I want to just deposit in your heart is something that, uh, that uh, Caleb's daughter discovered, is what's the good, what's the, uh, what's the good, what's the, how did I put it? Remind me, tech, what good is land? There you go. <laughs> what good is land without water? What good is land without water? She comes to her dad and she says, do me a special favor. Since you gave me some land, give me also springs of water. What good was the land without water? Without water, land is useless. Without water, Land is useless. Although she had, she and Othniel had land, which meant they had space. Someone say space. They had space to roam and they had space to live. They had freedom. They, they were, they had freedom in this space. What good was that space without water? 
what good was it of them to have a, not just space to roam, freedom, but a place in society? A place to say, to identify with. They, they could identify with this place. What good was that place to identify with if they didn't have water? Some would say, no water, no life. What good was it to have, for them to have ownership of the land, to have authority, power over the land without water? They had freedom, they had identity, they had authority, but without water, it was useless. I want you to know that the water that gives life only comes from God. Land without water is dead. Revelation 22, 17. It's, it reads, the spirit and the bride say what? Come. And let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is, what, thirsty, come, and let the one who wishes take the, what, free gift of, what, the water of, what, life. It is God and God alone that gives the water of life. Just, okay, follow me, just like, just like this new, newlywed couple realized they might have freedom to do what they want, but without water, it was useless. In our society today, we worship freedom like no other time. Freedom to do what I want, don't judge me. What good is freedom without life? People worship now their identity. I identify as this, I identify as that. And for them, their identity is above the will and word of God. What good is identity without life? What people desire power and prestige and recognition in the public square, but what good is authority and power if you're dead? It is God and God alone who gives the water of life. There, friend, there is no other way. If you're new to Christianity or you're checking it out, let me tell you, the Lord has brought you to a place to hear the truth. There is no other way to life except through Christ. He is the one who offers us the living water. See, what good is anything if you're dead? Water means, water means some significant things. Water means life and fruitfulness. Water means life and fruitfulness. Isaiah 44, three through four says, God speaks and he says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my what? Spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. There's a common thread in scripture 
of the water that God gives. And this is why. In ancient times, it was essentially an agricultural society. People made their living and sustained themselves primarily and with, with, with in great focus, their agriculture. They knew that they needed rain in order for their crops to grow. They, know, they knew they needed rain to water the field so that their animals could feed. Digging a well was essential and important for every community. And so there were wars over wells. Water was understood. This is the life-giving source for my family, for my future. It comes down to this. It comes down to water. So... God illustrates his power, his presence, his intervention in our lives, his blessings by reminding us that he's the one that waters our soul. Without his water, you bear no good fruit. Now, how many know you can bear some fruit, but it might not be good? Can I get a witness? You ever met someone that has all kinds of fruit, but it's all nasty? They can tur turn a good time into a bad time. It's like a gift. It's like their gift. They can turn a, a bad time into a good time. I want you to know how important it is, how important water is. You, uh, 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 if you've ever tried to fast, maybe for the first time, uh, within like, you know, four hours, you think you're going to die. You get that headache. You get all shaky. And it's not even noon. But did you know that you can go three weeks without food? But you can't go three days without water? Did you know that? Very interesting. I, I, I dug into this a little bit. Clin clinical studies have been done that have shown that almost 40% of people mistake hunger for thirst. Their stomach starts to growl. They start to get a little weak. And they think that their body desires food. So they get a snack. How many like snacks? Next time you get a snack, ask yourself, am I really thirsty? In fact, authors uh, have, have, uh, have, have speculated, or authors of another study speculated that, that in primitive times, hunger and eating and drinking and thirst were much more tightly coupled, but that modern environmental factors such as cheap and plentiful food and calorie-counting beverages have weakened the connections in our bodies. There's evidence that certain types of food we tend to eat today affect our thirst mechanism. There was a study done that showed those who, uh, subjects who included more high fat and high sugar, that ain't none of us, huh? No, high fat and high sugar foods in their diet exhi exhibited weaker thirst sensitivity than did those who ate fewer of these foods. We have changed our system with our diets and having cheap and easy food so that there are times when we are thirsty, but we think we're hungry. In fact, uh, many uh, believe that that's a contributing factor of the epidemic of obesity in America. There are times when we're thirsty, but we think we're hungry. And I can tell you that is absolutely true spiritually. 
There are times in our lives when we feel a need and we reach for a snack instead of the living water. We're mistaken. Our, we, uh, Paul writes, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We think we need this, but we really need this. We think we need more money. What we really need is some self-control. Can I get a witness? We think we need entertainment. What we really need is peace of mind, not distraction. We're eating snacks, high-calorie foods, high in fat, high in sugar, falsely being filled, and not drinking of the living water of Jesus Christ. There's not a man or woman that can satisfy you like Jesus. There's not a job that can satisfy you like Jesus. There's not a, a position that can make you rest like Jesus can make you rest. But we might have a disconnect. Are you with me? Are you following me? Just like we might have a physical disconnect, mixed signals, we can have a spiritual disconnect. You know, one of the things we have to do is begin to develop an appetite for the things God offers. Really believing really believing that he can fulfill all your needs. That you don't, be believing, knowing, trusting, you don't want to go anywhere without him. That you don't want to receive anything he doesn't give you. We want to be satisfied with living water. Not filled with the empty calories that the world offers us. See, it takes this living water. It takes this life-giving power, the relationship with Jesus Christ, those quiet moments that you have before you go in the office, before you go to work, to connect with the living water that is Jesus. It's being satisfied through the watering of his word, the watering of his word, being quenched and being satisfied by what he, his will is and what his presence offers you. What God doesn't want is you to have partly your way and partly his way. That's a recipe for problems. That's a recipe for unhealth. What he wants is us to trust him enough to be completely devoted and want him to satisfy us completely. See, this young couple knew they might have land, but they need water. You see in those commercials, when you have a grumpy, like a, a grumpy pants, and they say, you need a Snickers? They might be thirsty. Try a bottle of water, then eat the Snickers if you're still hungry, okay? Ah, friend, no one satisfies like Jesus. You can have all the money in the world, it doesn't satisfy like Jesus. You can, people, you can have people tell you all manner of flattering things that doesn't satisfy you like Jesus. Someone can look you in the eyes and tell you how much they love you. It doesn't satisfy 
like Jesus. You can finally have a child and doesn't satisfy you like Jesus. This is why it is particularly disheartening, I think, for our society when the rich and famous commit suicide or we find them passing away through an addiction. It's like, what? They had everything. They had everything. They, had, they, they couldn't spend all their money. They had so much money. They couldn't spend it all. Why were they so sad? Let me tell you. Let us learn. Nothing satisfies like Jesus. See, living water means complete satisfaction. Someone say complete. Complete satisfaction. And it's free. It's free. The gift of salvation is free. The connection to the source is free. No one satisfies like Jesus. There's a... I, I was I was thinking about uh, Christmas and 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 we've had we have four we've had four kids we have four kids <laughs> we have four kids and and I remember years ago having them all in the house at the same time they're all really little and uh, and they're opening their presents and we you know we bought them like you know several gifts each and the grandparents brought gifts and they're in there we're taking pictures and the the, the Christmas. The, the paper is flying and everyone's excited. And I remember one when it was done. I mean, they got gifts all around them and trash everywhere. And, and, and this one says, looks at him and says, is that it? How many know I almost went to jail? We keep it real, Herod Thrive. If you're new, I'd apologize, but it's going to be like this next week too, so... I almost went to jail. I almost called 911. A child's going to die. Someone doesn't come here. But, but, but man, how many of us have unwrapped a new car or a new job or a new relationship and said, is that it? Is that it? No one and nothing. No one and nothing satisfies like Jesus. He made you and I to be quenched only by him. So we would come to him. So we would know deep in our soul we need God. We don't need freedom. We don't need identity. We don't need authority. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. All other things are worthless and meaningless without him. Without him. About four years ago, uh, my wife and I um, met with my, my father-in-law and mother-in-law. Where's Alan Jackie? Right here. Can you give them a hand, Alan Jackie? They put up with me. Jackie makes the best meatloaf ever. Mm. And Al eats it. We made a decision about four years ago. We were going to uh, buy a, a move, uh, do life together. Because my in-laws, 
uh, had retired up in the country. He said, come back to civilization. And so we bought a home, and we're doing life three generations and three dogs. <laughs> three generations and three dogs. I'll tell you about the new dog later, another day. He's actually part horse, but I'll tell you about him later. Yeah, I'm going to save that one. But we, we, we moved in, and we were really excited. You know, the Lord blessed us with a very nice house with lots of, lots of room and like a big garage and a shop. And I was, I was ready to receive my, fa- my, my father and mother-in-law, and they were ready to receive us. What I wasn't ready, though, was I, what I missed in the memo was 53 years of stuff that they had collected over the years. Now, we'd only been married 21 years, but we had our fair share of stuff too. And so we're like, where are we going to put all this? Where are we going to put all this stuff and whose stuff is better? <laughs> so, but my in-laws are very kind and merciful. And, and so we, we shared space and, but there's a lot of stuff in our garage and I have to tell you, it's not all theirs. My mother-in-law reminded me of that the other day. It's not all ours. She said, you got a bunch of whack stuff too. No, she didn't say that. She said, she said, say whack, but she got a lot of stuff. So, 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 so one weekend they went on a trip. It was kind of designed, go on a trip. And Lori and I are going to clear out this shop because there's stuff, you know, that we don't all need. And my in-laws are so, they're, they're savers. They save a lot of things, save things, lots of stuff. And, uh, and so we're like, they gave us permission, you know, get rid of stuff we don't need. And so we're getting rid of stuff, getting rid of stuff. And they're very good at that. And, uh, and, and Lori opened a box and she pulled out this set of keys. And she threw them to me and she said, hey, take a look at these keys. And so the first thing I noticed about these keys, there's about 12 keys on here. There's a key here that's there's a couple of keys that are kind of cool. And I thought, ooh, pirate treasure chest. Where's the gold, right? But she goes, no, 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 look, look at the tag. And so I look at the tag. And, you know, we're, we're finding lots of things in there. And I look at the tag and I, I read it. And it's, it's, it's faded because it's been there a while. And it says, none of these work. None of these work. Let's keep them. <laughs> Let's organize them. Let's tag them. Just in case we ever need a key that doesn't work. We got it. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm not sure why they kept them, but how many know I'm keeping them now? I'm be like, Al... Can I tell you, though, something very interesting? How many of us, let me ask you, how many of us keep keys that don't work? You are a believer, if you're a believer now, you could be trying to open new doors with old keys.
He's like, I have saved you. I washed you up. I have healed you. I got great doors. And we're like, okay, let me get a key. Let me get a key. And he's like, you don't got a key that can open the door I have for you. Some of us are trying to quench thirst with old keys. Can I just tell you, he doesn't need your help with any old keys. What God offers you is a water that thirsts. He offers you a way that satisfies. He offers you power that doesn't come from a piece of land. It comes with the living water. He offers you freedom that doesn't come with property. It comes from living water. He offers you identity that comes from his living water that satisfies completely. I know there are believers, you love the Lord, but you have some old keys. And you're frustrating yourself and you're struggling and you could even start to question God and the devil laughs because he knows you're using his keys to try to open God's doors. You're kicking rocks and you're wondering if this Christian life is worth it and the Lord is telling you gently because he never forced you to come in the first place. Just as he said to the woman at the well, I offer you living water so that you will never thirst again. You have to come to me and you have to do life through me. I offer you a new way. Let me, let, me, let me heal the dysfunction from you. Let me take those keys and toss them into the sea of forgetfulness. Let me give you a new skill set. You've been bitter. Let me make you kind. You've had low self-esteem. Let me remind you, you're the head and not the tail. You have felt, you have felt overlooked. And let me remind you that you're my son. You're my daughter, which means you are royalty. I love you, so I offer you through the cross living water so that you'll never thirst again. Family, there might be someone here who is very religious but has yet to have a relationship with Jesus. You might identify as a Christian, wear a cross, have family that's been in church their whole life, but maybe you have not yet given your given your life to Christ, really. Not a label, but your heart. And you're wondering, why if I'm so religious and I really respect God, I even, I even would say I love God, but you don't know him. It's because you need to receive him as your savior. And Pastor Chris said it a few weeks ago, not just your savior, but your Lord. You're, some want a savior, they don't want a Lord. They want God to save them, but they want to use their own keys. Can I just tell you that you can't bully God? You can't hold anything ransom from God. You can't hijack God. No, no, no. God said, you got to lay your keys down. Let me give you the keys to life. He is the one that will quench your thirst. Would you stand with me, family, and can we just go to him?
Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.